All right, Bulldog fans, our friends from Tacovas want to remind you that uh, it's festival season, it's concert season, it's sundress season. Yes, it is. And you know you need some nice boots to go along with every bit of that. And Tacovas is your stop for the best in Western wear. Tacovas has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and so much more. All Tacovas boots are made by hand in a very time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tacovas has first wear comforts. So no break-in period. You know how tough that can be with a brand new pair of boots. You can put these bad boys on and ride that ride with a smile. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with the same level of style. So stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary beverage or two, shop the new styles, the smell of fresh leather, and a friendly staff are always at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience quite like it. If you can't make it to a store, visit Tacovas. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S dot com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges shipped right to your door. Go to tacovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Let's face it, friends. We live in uncertain times. Security, probably more important now than ever before. That's why it's important to keep you, your family, your property safe by working with my friends at Eufy. That's E-U-F-Y dot com. Let me tell you a little bit about this new video smart lock they have. It's super cool because basically you get a three-in-one security system here. You can have everything on just one device instead of having it outside of your house look rather tacky because you got all kinds of stuff out there. It's not just about your security, but convenience. No more concerns about losing keys. You can assign passwords to your family members, and you can see who's kind of coming and going. You got that immigrated camera, too. Uh, it's easy to install. You can set it up with just a Phillips screwdriver. You know, you don't have to go to a class on how to use power tools. No drilling required. You get keyless entry. You don't have to worry about fumbling with the keys when you're getting back with a, an armful of groceries, right? How convenient is that? That in and of itself is a great benefit. You get fingerprint recognition. It's unlocking. You got that AI self-learning chip. So the more you use it, the more accurate it's going to be. You don't have to worry about the battery. It's got a rechargeable battery that can last around four months. And you get a notification before it runs out so you don't have to compromise your family security. You got passcode unlocking, remote control, 2K clear sight, camera. You can see who's at your door. You see these videos online all the time. Don't you think it's time for you to set something up so you can have the peace of mind of knowing that you don't have people constantly going in and out of your property? There's no monthly fee. Unlike other brands that charge you a monthly fee, you can have your recordings locally and never have to pay for storage. How cool is that? It's convenient, it's safe, it's a must-have for your home today. If you already have like a video doorbell, you know sometimes people want to come and steal your, your doorbell. You don't have to worry about with, that with this. All right, so let's be sure to visit Eufy Video Lock. That's E-U-F-Y official.com forward slash video lock. And it's time for you to gain control of your door. Again, that's Eufy. E-U-F-Y. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the mysterious Thursday edition of The Yard. No, I would have been with you yesterday, but I'll be honest with you, I, I kept delaying the show and delaying the show because I kept waiting for some news to break and develop, and it never came. 
And so there have been several updates. I have tried to provide an AM and a PM update over on the Jeans page, True Maroon Football Forum. Everything that I've heard that I've been some, you know, some of it I've, I've characterized as rumor. There are a lot of things that I hear that I don't post for public consumption because I just don't believe it. And so that's part of this process. There's so many people out there, especially in the beginning of the process, that have information or claim that they do. And then what happens is over the course of the process, people get eliminated. People don't get interviewed or people get a preliminary interview or maybe a phone interview and then don't give an opportunity to get another one. So things change, you know, candidates fall out of favor and, you know, guys take other jobs or whatever. And so then, uh, you know, it all kind of gets going again. And then when there's less people involved and less candidates, information kind of slows down. It's because of the fact that there are so many people that no longer have access to what's going on. And so more times than not, let's say for John Cohen is uh, finalizing the search and reaching out to candidates to kind of get things settled, well, those people aren't going to jeopardize their standing by leaking things to the media. And so information is really beginning to kind of slow down. And to me, that is a good sign. What that tells me is that this process is winding down. I had someone share with me this morning, someone that I trust immensely, that one of the candidates had reached out to the search firm, and this is a potential candidate, trying to get face-to-face uh, -face with John Cohen, trying to plead their case on why they should be your football coach. And this person was, uh, yeah, thanks for your interest. However, uh, Mississippi State has zeroed in on a candidate and uh, is in the final stages of this process. I believe that to be true. I know you all are eager for that to, uh, to be true, so you can kind of look forward and, and understand who's going to be the leader of the Mississippi State football program going forward. Uh, I'm ready to watch TV again, and I'm ready to be able to enjoy a meal without having a phone to my ear. I've shared that recently, but this, this is the job. This is what we do, and when there are times of crisis and there are times of change, this is when you guys need us the most, and so I have worked diligently. It is now day nine for me of this process. It was a week ago Tuesday. I was tipped off. There was a real possibility Mississippi State would make a coaching change with the football program. There are a few things that I want to share with you that I have learned about some of that process, as well as what's going on now, and then we'll talk a little basketball. How about that? But before we do all that, let's thank our good friends at Bulldog Burger Company. Great people, great food, great locations, great service, great family atmosphere. You can go there and have the family dinner. You can even have an adult beverage. Uh, but there are so many options to choose from there. You can find your own favorites. I'm a big fan of the spring rolls, as you guys know. I think they will make you better looking, and we all need more of that. We absolutely do. Two locations now to serve you in Starkville University and on Tupelo in Gloucester Street. And I'm beginning to see so many social media postings about that new location in Tupelo. It's a big hit. Go by, find your own favorites. I am a uh, mission with the Pico de Gallo on the side or Pimentology at Bacon. Love them all. I've tried them all. I like them all. Like some more than others. You need to go find out for yourself. Great restaurant quality hamburger for you, Bulldog Burger Company. Your place in Starkville and now Tupelo where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. So I, I teased you guys before the break about um, some things that I have learned. I have talked to some people. You know, there's, there's a lot of things people say, well, you know, Steve, how bad was it? You know, uh, and the first thing that I want to tell you guys is this. Uh, Jim Moorhead's a great man. 
really is. I think a lot of Jim Moorhead, I think that he has a brilliant mind. But there was a disconnect between Joe's vision for Mississippi State and then the reality that we saw on the field. And one of the things that I have learned about life, and not just about football, but about life in general, is whenever people leave the situation, people are a little more willing to talk. And you can call them cowards or whatever, but the bottom line is there's always conversations that take place and say, yeah, here's what really happened, and this happened. And, and so I've had some of those, and I take some of that with a grain of salt. Some of the people that I trust have shared with me some things that I think that you will find of interest. Uh, I had someone share with me that, uh, you know, that about, we talk about accountability and a lack of accountability in regards to the Mississippi State football program. I understand that there were many players that, you know, post-practice, whatever, they just would leave their stuff everywhere, that there was not a lot of pride uh, in, you know, keeping their area clean. And, and listen, Mississippi State, through private donations, has paid an awful lot of money, an awful lot of money for that seal football complex. And I think we would want our, our players to treat it uh, like the Taj Mahal. We're awful proud of it. We expect them to be proud of it. But there wasn't a lot of accountability with that. And there was always kind of a mess. Uh, there, there have been several other incidences. You know, we talked about people wondered why there were a few guys that, uh, you know, that missed first quarter of the bowl game. Maybe you had some guys miss some practice time. You know, and these guys are supposed to be you know, kind of the leadership of your team. And so what that tells me, and just as I mentioned when we talked about Mississippi State having a culture problem, is that we had people there that, that didn't have a lot of fear of their football coach. And some of those things, too, that I've, I've had people ask me before, would you rather be respected or feared? I always say feared because fear commands a respect all its own. I'm not saying you've got to be a tyrant, but there has to be some sense of accountability. I think that's one of the things Mississippi State has to have in a coach moving forward. I know all of us have had people in our lives that, you know what, I know I better not do this or this person will have my hide for it. I know that I, I better clean up my room or my dad's going to come in here, my mom's going to come in here, and we're going to be in trouble. There has to be a sense of accountability, and I think that's one of the things that we lacked, and I think it showed. You know, we talk many times about how teams take on the personality of their coaches, and, you know, Joe, kind of a laid-back guy, intelligent guy, kind of driven, but at the same time, too, uh, I think Joe sometimes was probably more committed to being their friend than being their coach, and, uh, you know, I mean that with as much respect as I can, but it's impossible to be both. It's impossible. Do you think Nick Saban allows his players to just treat the locker room however they want to treat it? I, I suspect probably not. Do you think Dabo Swinney just says, hey, guys, y'all don't worry about that tape there. Y'all just leave that. We'll have the student assistants come in here and clean up behind y'all. You know, I, I just don't believe those sorts of things. And so I, I've learned some of that. I've heard some of that. I've heard some things that have happened, you know, uh, you know, in practice. And really just kind of a laissez-faire attitude towards – discipline with the football program. And so, again, I think that's probably job one of John Cohen is finding a guy that's going to reinstill some discipline, but also to some pride. I don't, I, would, I don't want people to do it because they're necessarily afraid of the coach. I want them to do it because they, they have pride in who we are and what we do and pride in our facilities and pride in the opportunity and pride in the fact that, you know what, I am one of the privileged few 
I have an opportunity to play college football in a Southeastern Conference on scholarship. These people thought enough of me and believed in me that they're willing to pay for my education. I think that level of commitment must be returned with an, an unmeasurable level of respect. Leaving your stuff just laying around doesn't show respect for your coach, your program, the donorship, your equipment, the locker room, the people around you. Maybe I'm alone, but that's probably one of the things that I kind of harp on my, my youngest about the most is, you know, if you leave this stuff here, what you're really saying is that I'm too good to handle it. I'm too good to take care of this and somebody else will do it. Somebody else will clean up my mess because I'm too busy uh, doing something else. What else? I, what all the things that I have together, the things that I'm working to are, are more important than uh, than your time and efforts. And I, I just I just tend to disagree with all every bit of that. I think it's one of those deals where every one of those guys has a measure of accountability that they have to repay. It's just as simple as that. The, those kind of things really irritate me. I cannot begin to imagine missing practice. But anyway, I mean, I think uh, I think we can all be in agreement that, uh, you know, listen, we, it's time to bring this process to a close. We've got to get the right guy. And it's one thing, again, I want to kind of encourage people. And, and listen, it's day nine for me. As I shared earlier in the show, I know it means so much to you because you're emotionally invested. If it didn't matter, you'd be like, ah, they'll, they'll find a coach. It's no big deal. But you hang on every report. You hang on every tweet. We're all looking for the same things. It takes some time. Now, three years from now, when Mississippi State's getting ready to go to a bowl game, it's not going to matter that it took a couple extra days. It hasn't even been a week. It'll be a week ago tomorrow that we fired Jim Moorhead. So if you can hire a coach in a week, and that's the thing too, and I had a discussion with a good friend of mine yesterday. Our uh, our time frame has kind of changed with this early signing period. So used to, if you recall, I mean, even you know back when, you know, back in the days when uh, we fired Sylvester Croom back in two thousand eight. You know, we fired Croom, and then uh, the thing went on for a while. Then we we hired Dan Mullen. You know, and Dan and them were getting ready to go play in a national championship game. But it was a matter of weeks, not days. And so what happens now is, well, we, they fire a coach at the end of November, and then, and then hey, we got to have a guy in place before the early signing period. And so this is a little different. There's not quite the same level of urgency, I think, with the search itself, but among the fan base it is because you're, re you're ready to go. And there's also this feeling is, you know, you kind of hope that you've got something in place before you pull the trigger there. And I think there were a lot of people that felt that way. Uh, I think it's pretty clear that uh, there were some people perhaps that uh, were priorities. And some of that changes over time. You know, you may have some people on your wish list and you get a little closer look at them and perhaps they're not what you thought they would be or perhaps their interest in you is not what you expected it to be. And you got to move on. There were a lot of discussion about Billy Napier early on. It, it's been a wild ride with Billy Napier. And I think one of the reasons that these rumors continue to persist about Billy Napier is because of the fact I think Billy was the top of the Bulldog wish list, or at least near the top. I think he was certainly a priority candidate. And as things develop, I mean, let's go back and say, okay, well, you, you advance him over the weekend, and he's a little reluctant to talk because he's got a ball game coming up. All right, well, then you go and you, you vet out some other candidates. You have some phone interviews. You talk to them. You kind of get an idea of where they are. Well, then all of a sudden, well, now, you know, you and Lafayette's on the, at the ball site. 
Maybe they're down there in Mobile. Okay, well, listen, can we get together? Can we come down and talk? Well, you guys, I don't really want to talk right now because uh, I want to focus on my own team. We've got a chance to win 11 games this year. That's big news. We've never done that at Mississippi State. We've never had 11-win season. And so it's an historic issue. And so, you know, they want to have their their uh, their, their full focus on the ball game. And so then you get through that deal and you win the ball game. Okay, well, listen, let's get together. Okay, let's get together. Well, then, then, then you don't. Okay, so meetings are off, everything's canceled. Then all of a sudden you kind of recalibrate and you start beginning to uh, to prioritize Joe Judge. I want to share with you guys a couple of things that I think you'll find interesting. The deal with Joe Judge got so close that his wife, Amber Messi, former All-SEC team captain of the Bulldog soccer team, had already been out shopping for a maroon dress to wear to the press conference. Mississippi State had already begun to get the uh, proper media relations deals done. The releases written, all of that was already in motion. And then craziness happened. You know, there were even guys that uh, were already telling their wives to go ahead and start getting a real estate agent together and start getting a house listed. And that, that's how involved the whole thing was. And then then all of a sudden you get offered the opportunity to, to coach the New York Giants for uh, five years for $35 million. And, I, and from what I understand, the New York Giants are one of the teams that's still part of the NFL pension plan. And so the day you retire, and if you, if you become fully vested in that pension plan, you know, he would have the opportunity to retire with, with the, you know, millions of dollars, well over $10 million in addition to what he made. And so when you begin to factor that in, listen, there's no school colors that I think, especially when you're 38 years old, and you have the opportunity to make life-changing money and to possibly put yourself in a situation that your family could be taken care of for years and years after your passing. How do you pass on that? I love Mississippi State too, but if somebody gives me that opportunity, I've got to do what's best for my own family. And I have heard some people too that have used this, whole thing with Joe Judge is an opportunity to kind of bash Mississippi State. I mean, I, I don't know how you could have done it any differently. You know, let, let's say you, you fire Jim Moorhead at the Egg Bowl and then you hire Joe Judge. Well, he's, you know, going to finish out the year with the Patriots. Well, they just got, got done playing last weekend. I mean, do you really think that Mississippi State's going to scare off the New York Giants if they really want that guy? They're not. Now, we, you could say, well, we could have moved a little bit quicker. I just don't know that it would have mattered. I just don't know that it would have mattered. And then when you've got a guy out there too, the NFL is what he knows. He hasn't had to handle a recruiting piece. It would have been a risk. I think Joe Judge is an intelligent guy. He would have figured it out. But um, it's so amazing the swing of emotions with Joe Judge. You know, earlier in the process, there were some people saying, hey, listen, Steve, can't we do better than this? He's a special teams coordinator, you know, at, uh, at New England. What's he really doing? Well, in addition to that, he's also a wide receiver coach, and I understand that he is the uh, the only – I haven't verified this, but he's the only wide receiver coach in the NFL that, that, that did special teams and a position. And in addition to doing those at a position, he dealt with uh, arguably the greatest quarterback of all time. The guys that he coached and supervised had to run the routes for Tom Brady. You think Tom Brady's going to put up with mediocrity from his wide receivers? Absolutely not. It's one of those things where I think, you know, Joe Judge has seen greatness up close. He understands what greatness expects. 
And it's so funny. Everybody's like, well, Steve Kent would do better than this. And then all of a sudden he takes a job with the Giants. And all of a sudden Joe Judge is validated in the eyes of our fan base. And you're like, oh, I can't believe we lost him. I thought, you know, he was going to come here. But there's no college job out there, especially for a guy his age of 38. If he had made his money, perhaps, and had spent, you know, 15, 20 years in the league, and we just said, you know what, I'm tired of all this stuff, and I'm going to go back to my own alma mater and use what's remaining in my career and go back and, and uh, do something great there, yeah, it makes sense. But there's just no way that guy's going to turn down that kind of opportunity. And so, and again, I don't see that as a criticism of Mississippi State. I don't think that, well, you know, state just wasn't good enough. Listen, there's not a college job out there that's going to be able to compete. We're not going to win a bidding war with the New York Giants. Very stable ownership, very prestigious program, a team that's won multiple Super Bowls in the largest media market in the world. It's a big deal. It's good work if you can get it. So where do we go from here? That's the question that everybody has. Well, where do we go from here? Well, you know, then after we get through the – the situation with Joe Judge, it, it appeared there was a lot of juice around the name of Steve Sarkeesian. Sark, of course, former Washington head coach and USC head coach and now the offensive coordinator at Alabama. He has had some personal failings. We all have. A lot of people will share with you that he has uh, you know, done a good job working a, a program of recovery and rehabilitating his image. Uh, you know, there's some reservations you know, with some of that. I can understand that. There's also, too, the reservation of, uh, you know, he's a West Coast guy. He's from Torrance, California. He spent most of his career out there on the West Coast. And so if he comes in, let's say he wins a couple of years, uh, then all of a sudden he gets a job that possibly returned to the West Coast. I mean, maybe he gets a chance to go to Fresno State or whatever. Does he turn that down? You know, that's always the risk. And every one of these candidates is a gamble. There are no perfect candidates, but there can be a perfect fit. And there's a lot of discussions about fits. You know, because, well, you know, Joe Moorhead was never really a fit. I don't know. I mean, I, at times it felt a little bit awkward, you know, but I don't think it had any, anything to do with him being from the East or anything to do with its value system. I just think it's one of those things where perhaps the expectations here were a little greater than he, than he expected. Perhaps that's the case. You know, we're looking to get to the next level. We're looking to, to contend and get to the, the upper crust of the SEC West and potentially go back to Atlanta. We weren't looking to just simply beat Ole Miss and go to a bowl game. We've done that, been there, done that. We're not looking to regress. We're looking to uh, to take a step forward. And I think perhaps Joe didn't have a real good understanding. He talked about in the beginning, we're going from good to great. And we went from good to average. That's why we had to make a change. There's no question about it. We had to make a change. Now with this deal with uh, with Sarkeesian, you know, and, and I'll be honest with you, it, it had so much juice. I think even some people in the media were kind of saying, hey, this is going to happen. And I think the situation we're in now, I think it's pretty clear that, uh, that we've hit the pause button on that. I have spoken to more people in the last nine days than, uh, than will probably attend my funeral. Uh, it's incredible how many people I've had a chance to speak to. Some people I haven't spoken to in years. The last time we did this, there are some people, this is what they do. They work in agent circles. They're runners for agents. They're people that cover coaching searches. There are people that uh, they're eager to compare notes. And right now, there are a lot of people that are just really curious to what John Cohen's going to do. He's got everybody guessing. And I have to kind of tip my hat to John. But at the same time, too, some of the reasons we're in the situation we're in is we've had a couple surprises along the way. We've had a couple surprises. I really believe that we thought Billy Napier would be a little more receptive to us. And I, I'm not 100% convinced that's over, you know, and, and, but I've had people tell me that. I've had multiple people say, oh, this thing is over. And then six hours later, 
somebody calls and pours gas back on the fire. You know, it's one of those things where it just won't go away. I think a lot of it is because of the fact that we want this to happen. There are going to be some people out there that are so invested in that that when we do hire somebody else that um, they're going to have difficulty kind of accepting that. Well, I really wish we'd have got Billy. Well, here's the thing. Uh, there were points in my life, you know, I really wish I would have got Pamela Anderson, but that's not how it worked out for me, you know, and so but I can't say that I regret the way things worked out for me because I am very happy with all everything in my life. But the flip side of that is this, is that it takes two to tango. And, you know, you go out there and you can say, hey, listen, here's what we want to do. Here's what we think. And if they say, you know what, you guys, I'm flattered and appreciate that, but it's, it's just not the place for me. That's difficult to accept. It is, but that's the reality of life sometimes. You know, there are many of us who think, you know what, this guy's making less than a million dollars. We're willing to pay him three, three, four million dollars. He should jump at that opportunity. I would, but at the same time, too, I'm at a different point in my life. And this is a guy, too, that maybe he, perhaps he thinks, you know what, well, what if I wait a year and then South Carolina comes open or then, you know, this Texas comes open and then I'm in the mix for that job? You know, perhaps his his mind, South Carolina is closer to home. Maybe he thinks that's a bigger, a better job. The path on the SEC East perhaps could be easier. I think we all see it that way. Or maybe he sees a chance to go to, to the Texas. Maybe he thinks that's a good fit for him. I don't know. I don't know what he's thinking. But I know there's been a lot of ebb and flow with this. And uh, there are a lot of questions that they'll be asked about that. I'm eager to know some things. I've, I've told been told some things by some people very close to the situation. But I'm eager when everybody can kind of speak freely, off the record, on the record, whatever. I just There's some things that I want to know. And not really so much about money. I just want to know, you know, why has it been so difficult to get this guy to a, to a table? Why has it been so difficult for us to be able to sit down and talk and say, hey, here's what we can do for you at Mississippi State. You know, here's who we are. We think you're one of us. That's been difficult for some reason. And so we'll continue to move forward and see what happens. But uh, a lot of discussion about Mike Leach in recent days. I, I, I Sometimes I wonder if that's more wishful thinking than reality. But uh, there are a lot of people out there and say, you know what, let's give it a ride and see what happens. We would certainly win the press conferences. But there's been a lot of up and down with Mike Leach over the years. He runs a scheme. Let's see, he had a great team at Texas Tech and then uh, leaves there, goes to Washington State. And let's be honest, I don't think anybody expected him to go to Pullman, Washington. And, and I, when I read these people say, well, he would never go to Mississippi State. Did you think he'd go to Washington State? Really? Washington State's a better job than Mississippi State? I think not. Then you look at what Gardner Minshew did up there. Mississippi guy became an NFL guy. He went from being essentially a backup quarterback in the college level uh, at Alabama, leaves and goes. He went from ECU, was a grad transfer at Alabama, and then he went to, to Washington State and played his way into the National Football League, and now he's a starting quarterback in the NFL. Pretty good character witness for us. I mean, if we, if we need to know what Mike Leach is really all about, outside of the sound bites and outside of the press conferences and the, away from the shiny lights of the media, what's he like behind the scenes? What's he like in the in the locker room? What's he like in the film room? We got somebody, Gardner Minshew, who grew up Mississippi State guy, that I'm sure would be more than happy to tell us what's going on with him. A lot of discussion about that. Had some people mention Blake Anderson from Arkansas State. And listen, Arkansas State, those fans have probably got to be tired of being your kind of the farm system for everybody else. Had a lot of great coaches pass through there the last uh, several years that have gone on something bigger. Blake Anderson, many of you probably know him because of uh, you know his wife, Wendy, struggles with cancer, and, and ultimately she died this past year. 
And uh, Blake is a guy that uh, has done some big things and uh, has recruited our state. But uh, as of yesterday, we had not requested permission to speak uh, to Blake Anderson. So I don't know what that means long-term for him, but I don't think that he is going to be the head football coach at Mississippi State. Uh, It's interesting. I had somebody mention to me earlier that, uh, you know, Jeff Fisher was a guy out there that at one point had mentioned that he might want to get into college coaching. So uh, I I guess we'll see how that works out too. You know, I just, uh, I don't know that he'll be at Mississippi State that we haven't even really talked about him, but we're down to the nitty gritty. We're down to the end. Uh, I was told earlier today, this process is coming to a close very, very soon. I don't think you need to be not Nostradamus to understand that. I think we all see that um, as candidates are kind of eliminated and some have taken other jobs or moved on, uh, that uh, you know the, the, the talent pool is getting a little thin. It's getting a little shallow in there. But again, as I said opening the show, I had someone tell me that Mississippi State has zeroed in on a candidate. I wish I could tell you who that person was. Also, have been told that uh, we would like to name a candidate today and then present the candidate tomorrow. I hope that timeline holds. I think that would be great. I don't know that Mississippi State fan base can take this thing going into next week, you know. But as I said earlier, it's really more about getting it right. The AFCA convention is next week, you know, so you'd like to be able to get this thing together so you can kind of piece the staff together. Unless you're hiring an existing head coach that's going to bring his staff with him, and there's you know maybe one or two exceptions to that rule. But that's where we are right now. The one of the things that I continue to learn about this is that this is an evolving process. It's also been a very thorough process. I had somebody joke with me earlier that I think John Cohen's going to interview every college coach in the country, and maybe so. But if that's what it takes to get the right guy from Mississippi State, then so be it. Go do it, John. That's what I think everybody's looking at in this deal is, you know, we hear these names. A lot of times people get invested and think, okay, this is the guy that I want. And then they hear that he's not coming or uh, that perhaps he's taking another job. And all of a sudden we get stung by that and we feel a little bit rejected. We feel the sting of that. And and we take that as an indictment on Mississippi State or on on ourselves personally. And it's not. It's a business. It is a business. But we're going to play football next year and uh, we're going to have a good team. And we're going to do some big things. And I'm excited about that. I'm excited to begin a new era. I'm excited to see some new blood come in here. There's been a lot of discussion about Todd Grantham. And uh, it's amazing. There's a lot of people have strong opinions about Todd. Really, Todd Grantham and Mark Hutzbutt. There are people that have strong opinions on both sides of that. Uh, but I, I really don't know how legitimate Mark Hudspeth would be as a candidate. You know, I've, I've never had any traction with that name this time through. And uh, there's a time that I, I really begin to wonder if, if perhaps Mark's time hasn't passed at Mississippi State uh, as a head coach. I, that, that's just kind of the feeling that I get. It's not that anybody's, anybody's told me. But there's been a couple of opportunities to hire him, and uh, we have not done so. And so you begin to think, okay, maybe it's just not in the cards for Mark. I know that Mark Husband loves Mississippi State. I know that his family loves Mississippi State. And a lot of Mississippi State folks that love the Hudspots. I mean, I think Mark and Tyler Gunner, the whole crew, are just great, great people. And, uh, you know, listen, hope the best for all of them. But I don't think they're going to be back in Starkville unless it's to come see a ball game or to come play Mississippi State. I just don't think it's going to happen. Ty Grantham's situation is a little different. You know, we we know we'll see him during baseball season because he's going to have a kid playing ball up here. But I know there's some people, too, that are they're think, you know what, if we, you want to get tough, you want to get an edge about you, you want to have some discipline, 
then uh, Ty Grantham's the way to go. I don't know. And of course, the key there would be who he hired as an offensive coordinator. You'd probably have to go out and, yeah, it's, it's funny. I've had six different people tell me, pardon me, I've had people tell me that, that six different programs contacted Will Hall, six different head coaching candidates said, hey, we'd, I'd love for you to be my offensive coordinator if, if I go to Mississippi State. And I've heard that he told them all, yeah, let's do it. You know, uh, well, they can't all get the job, but I think it says a lot about Will Hall and th- that his uh, kind of meteoric rise from a guy that coached at West Alabama that now is one of the hottest offensive coordinators in Division One college football. Maybe he shows up here, maybe he doesn't. But I do find all that very intriguing. I had somebody tell me that Grantham uh, had, had reached out to Will Hall and said, hey, this is you know, this is an opportunity that I may be getting. Would you be interested? And so, again, that's the Grantham piece of it. He is a tough guy. He is a loud guy. He's an emotional guy. But one thing's for sure, he'll have his kids ready to play. You're not going to go out there and bully a Todd Grantham team. We'll see how things progress. But that's your update on the coaching search as it stands right now. I want to thank our good friends at Campus Bookmart, longtime sponsors of the show. Love them. Stand the man, Miss Kathy Brown, the lovely, talented Susie. The whole crew there will treat you like family because you are family. Many of you bought textbooks there when you were students here, parked in their free gravel lot behind the store, and then walked into campus. And you, you can still do that. Still free for all. You can go by and find the latest in maroon and white fashions. But if you can't make it to town, please visit them at campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays. And that's BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And that'll get you free shipping on all orders over $50. Any order less than $50, absolutely incomplete. So let's pivot just a little bit here and let's talk some men's basketball. A really, really ugly loss last night in Tuscaloosa. Really, I mean, ugly loss. There's just not much about that game that, that I can feel good about. And I'm, I'm sure many of you are the same way, even though I think everybody is kind of, was kind of an emotionally invested in the coaching search. So that there wasn't a lot of discussion about the basketball game on social media. Mississippi State now 9-5 and five on the year and 0-2 and in the Southeastern Conference. I don't know if you guys have looked at this, uh, and maybe we should. This Mississippi State basketball team is not uh, not playing exceptionally well. We go back and you look at uh, we lose to New Mexico State and Jackson in the return of Nick Weatherspoon. Then we we did beat Kent State. Kent State's a quality basketball team. We get into conference play. We lose eighty to sixty-eight to Auburn, even though we did compete pretty well in that ball game. And then we lose last night ninety to sixty-nine. 90 to 69 in a ball game that you know we really had a chance to go over there and win. As I shared last week, now Mississippi State faces an 0-3 start in in the SEC. Got to be on the road at LSU this weekend. Th- those are the kind of things that bother me. <laughs> we're, g- we're facing a real possibility of being nine and six through 15 games into the season. What are we going to do? You know, are we going to be right back at a coaching search here in a couple months talking about men's basketball? And listen, here's the deal. Uh, there's not the emotional buy-in for men's hoops if there is football. True or untrue, fair or unfair, that's just how Bulldog fans are right now. There, there, has, there is just not an emotional investment in men's basketball, much to the chagrin of many people. But we are not, we are not a fan base right now that is invested in men's basketball. Last night, Nick Weatherspoon uh, his best game since his return, 7 of 14 from the floor, four rebounds, 20 points. Good effort from him. 
Robert Woodard, a nice effort from Robert, 14 points, nine rebounds. Reggie Perry will always be the focal point of the defense. 14 points for him, pulls down five boards. Abdul will do with a couple blocks last night, pitches in three points. Tyson Carter had a had a pretty good run at times, but his shooting slump has um, has reached a very interesting point. I, you know, I remember we took him out of the starting lineup, and then uh, he became the first guy off the bench, and, and he became kind of an instant offense guy. And maybe that's what we need to do. Tyson, four of sixteen last night, one of five from three point line, just one rebound and nine points. He is really struggling. I don't have the answer to that, but maybe you pull him out of the lineup again and let him start off on the bench and then work his way back in. Maybe that's the way you got to go. Mississippi State, in that second half, did not look good at all. There was times in that first half that, you know, we showed some flashes and the game was tight, and then Alabama closed on a pretty good run there to have an advantage at the half. And then in that second half, Alabama pretty much did what they wanted to do. This is not a good Alabama team. They were 7-6 and six coming into the ballgame. I understand Coleman Coliseum is a place we have not played well over the years, but if we are an NCAA tournament team, you've got to go win that game against a team like Alabama. But we didn't, and so that's where we are. We'll be on the road in Baton Rouge. And listen, if you're down there, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be at a Walk-On's Bistro from 3.30 to 5.30 just off campus there. Great food, great people, signing books there for a couple hours. So if you're headed to the ball game, come by and see me again, 3.30 to 5.30 at Walk-On's Bistro. This Friday, I will be at the uh, Winston County Library from 11.30 to 1. Free sack lunch for the first 20 people, courtesy of the Winston County Library. We'll be signing books down there. We'll talk some. We're probably talking about some of this. And in the event there is a press conference, I will just simply miss the press conference. We've made a commitment to the Winston County Library that I plan to keep. We've got plenty of people that can go cover the press conference. But uh, that's the plan uh, as we kind of move forward into the weekend. Also got some other dates coming up. I'll be in Boonville later this month. Also going to be in Memphis. I'll announce those dates uh, on tomorrow's show. Looking forward uh, to seeing you guys out there at those events. Uh, a lot of people have asked, Steve, what about recruiting? Uh, you know, with me kind of working on this coaching search stuff, you know, Paul continues to stay in contact with the recruits. Uh, there is some discussion about Benjamin Key. We have not had a single player ask for their release. But Benjamin Key is a guy that's very, very close to Deke Adams. I think he's waiting to see if Deke is going to be retained, and then he may ultimately ask for his release, and you hate that. I mean, you absolutely do. But there, Mississippi State is going to be a willing partner this thing. Obviously, you want the new coach to have the opportunity uh, to speak to these recruits before you make any decisions. But Mississippi State's not going to trap a kid. They're not going to put a guy in here and force him to get in a transfer portal or anything like that. Uh, if a guy has not reported to class and then he has the opportunity – uh, to get out of his uh, national letter of intent, the Mississippi State is not going to impede that prog process. Uh, we recently added Jordan Davis and Malik Heath to the uh, spring enrollment group, a good group there already. Let me run that down for you real quick, and just in case you haven't heard. So here's where we are with that. Janari Dean, safety out of South Panola High School. He is on campus. Rodney Gross, Jr., linebacker out of uh, Pleasant Grove, Alabama. He uh, tells me he is going to have to have surgery and will likely miss the spring. Uh, running back Jaquavius Marks is here. Will Rogers, quarterback out of Brandon High School. Uh, Cameron Threat, defensive back from Lewisburg, is here. Linebacker Tyra Sweet from Colin. And then recently we added uh, Malik Heath and Jordan Davis. Trey Lawson, I believe, is the only one at this point that uh, is not here, that was expected to be here. No room to fear, from what I understand. But uh, 
he's a guy that we expect to be a, a spring graduate now. There was some hope for him to be able to be out in December. I guess there is still a possibility, but um, we're monitoring that. Uh, if you haven't done so, you need to come visit us over at jeanspage.com. We are the Mississippi State affiliate for 247 Sports. We're the only game in town now. But after the big merger a couple of years ago, we've got an army of folks there covering nothing but Mississippi State. That's what we do. It's what we care about. It's who we are. So come by and join us. And there's still the, we've extended our special during the coaching search for two months of coverage for just $1. What are you waiting for? You might as well come check it out again. That's two bucks of coverage for just $1. We've added hundreds of new subscribers uh, in recent days as people want to know what's going on with the Bulldogs. And we're doing our best to deliver that. It's, uh, there's a discussions going on and we're vetting out candidates and uh, we've got several stories written and we're ready to go. And uh, every time we get ready to hit publish, things change. It's part of the deal. Things change. I don't know if you're aware of, of this, but uh, the Mississippi State women's basketball, pretty good, pretty good program there for sure. Pretty good program, playing well, big things going on with them. My hope is that uh, you will have an opportunity to come out and see the ladies play. If you are a kind of, if you're the kind of person that uh, enjoys Facebook, I'm going to be doing a Facebook live show tonight, and uh, we're going to have an opportunity to give some tickets away uh, on the show regularly from time to time, just to kind of let you guys, uh, for those of you that perhaps uh, you know, good at trivia or whatever, then uh, you'll have a chance to come and uh, and win some tickets. But we're going to use a different couple of contests, and we'll give some of those tickets away for those of you that are looking to, uh, to go see the ladies play. Uh, ladies are back in action uh, tonight at Missouri. That's a 6 p.m. tip. And uh, you know, Missouri, that's their team that's kind of had Mississippi State's number. You remember they came in the Humphrey Coliseum last year with Sophie Cunningham. And, uh, and they beat Mississippi State. And uh, really thought that might throw a wrench in our SEC championship title defense and our ability to uh, to get a high seed in the tournament. It didn't. We didn't reach our, our ultimate goal of winning a national championship, uh, but we did get some revenge uh, you know, later in the deal. Mizzou is really struggling this year, 4-11 on the year. Uh, it's a different day and time in Mizzou. 4-11, 1-1 in conference play. Uh, looking at their most recent games, they uh, they they lose at Tennessee in a 77-66 ball game and then beat LSU at home in 69-65. So this is, again, as a ball game, we expect ladies to go up there and win. However, we have not played exceptionally well over the years at Mizzou. So if we struggle a little bit, don't be a little bit surprised. Even though we've played pretty well, uh, in recent years um, as a program. Mizzou, that coach up there, seems to always have a, a defensive scheme to kind of slow us down a bit. So that's kind of where we are and what we're pushing through. A little bit shorter show today, but we'll get back to the full-length show on Friday. Just wanted to keep you guys updated on what we have going on and what we're hearing. And then again, we'll be right back in here tomorrow, uh, hopefully discussing a new hire. But until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends and enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live.